You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, trade and technology, politics, security, and a lot more. I'm Jeff Rathke, president of the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. Well, I want to welcome all of our guests to this episode of The Zeitgeist. This is episode 81, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm really happy to have Dr. Norbert Röttgen uh, here with me today. Norbert, welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Norbert Röttgen is probably uh, well known uh, to, to many of you uh, out there among our listeners, but just to be uh, sure everybody is up to speed, Norbert Röttgen is a member of the German Bundestag from the uh, CDU. So he's part of the CDU-CSU caucus in the Bundestag. In the previous legislative period was the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the Bundestag, previously served also as the Minister for Environment um, in the uh, government of Angela Merkel. Um, was that the first or the second legislative period? Second. Second. He is also the vice chairman of the Atlantikbrücke, a German organization that promotes transatlantic relations. And he's here in Washington um, as we talk on April 24th. So terrific to have you here. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we've been talking to a number of members of the German Bundestag recently. Uh, we've had as guests in recent months... Um, Johannes Vogel from the FDP, Christian Dürer, the uh, uh, the caucus uh, leader uh, in the Bundestag for the FDP, uh, your colleague, Roderich Kiesewetter. Um, and so I'd like to maybe start with a, a fundamental question and get your assessment. Has Germany changed irrevocably since February 24th, 2022? Yes, I'm convinced of that. And I would add uh, that Germany has as profoundly uh, and quickly changed, as I would say, Germany as a country, as a nation, has never done since the end of World War II. Uh, we were a quite pacifist country, for example. Uh, we took more or less uh, security granted, uh, at least by the Americans. Uh, there was a saying after 1890, when the Iron Curtain broke down, we are encircled by friends. So all these uh, matters of defense and weapons and equipping our military seemed not to be so important. Uh, and uh, this was a kind of attitude. It was not just only a view. Uh, it was a, a, an attitude. And th this is what has changed, the attitude. Now we know that security matters. Now we know that uh, war has come back to Europe. Uh, Putin brought it back. Uh, and that uh, we are that we have flawed and insufficient capabilities, uh, and so this has really changed. If anybody would have suggested one and a half years ago that Germany delivers weapons to Ukraine in order to fight uh, uh, the, the Russian army, he would have been uh, he would have been considered crazy and irresponsible. Uh, and this is the reality today, and I think this reality is going to stay. It's a f fundamental new perspective uh, on on foreign policy, on Europe and the world. It's a paradigm shift mm -hmm. which will stay and endure. And so you've described some of the ways in which uh, we see that shift, German delivery of weapons, uh, for example. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit about the magnitude and the quality of those. 
But of course, you are a representative uh, of the, the German electorate. And is there something that you experience in your contact with with voters, with your constituents, with people around Germany, not from governing circles, but is there something that indicates to you that this is a permanent, that this is an irrevocable shift? Of course, this this implies to say something about the future, and you never know the future. Of course. But of course, you can see how deeply rooted it is today. Um, it is really something which has captured the empathy uh, of, of voters, of ordinary people. It's a number one, has been a number one issues now for more than a year. Um, it's talk every, everywhere about it. Um, uh, it's, it was, in the last year, 22, the dominant topic uh, in the TV media um, uh, d- debates. Um, it is, uh, you can see it in the newspapers. Uh, the, 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 the vast majority of journalists uh, is really supporting uh, and you can see and read and feel it is supportive of a change of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I'm I'm re- I'm I'm directly elected for the eighth time now, so I know my voters. I'm massively traveling across the country. I've written a book. I have my readings of the book, so I'm in in, in a real in a contact uh, with many many people. And and this is this is the clear message. This is what you can see, hear, and feel. Uh, there is a fundamental change, and it goes very deep. Mm-hmm. So then, let's talk a little bit about the scope of what uh, of what Germany has been has been doing. Uh, you know, I, I've I've checked the the numbers from the Kiel Institute, which uh, seeks to track uh, all international efforts in support of Ukraine, from military through civilian um, and beyond. Um, their numbers, as of this morning, were fourteen billion. In German support, including direct bilateral support, yep. as well as money that is that Germany contributes to the European Union mm-hmm. budget, and which then yeah. is contributed by the European yeah. Union, and including military and uh, financial, economic aid, development aid. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, so, fourteen billion is it makes Germany the second largest international supporter of Ukraine after the United States. Mm-hmm. And and so let's uh, let's talk about what these numbers mean and perhaps what they don't mean because mm-hmm. the United States, uh, by the same measure, is providing a little over seventy billion euros uh, in in support. So you see this big this big gap. Yeah. Um, the United States being far and away the largest provider, um, and on the one hand, Germany is doing a lot, but in GDP terms, yeah, it's about 04 percent of GDP. Yeah. yeah. Does that say to you that Germany could be doing more? You're rightly pointing out that these seemingly remarkable numbers uh, are quite ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So 40 billion is quite a number and quite an amount, even for a country like Germany. Absolutely. Uh, and it includes round about uh, 3.5 billion of weapons delivery. Also, quite a number. Yeah. And if you compare it to the past, what has Germany done in the past and could have imagined to do, uh, particularly in terms of military support, billions for weapons for Ukraine fighting the Russian army would have been unimaginable. So, and this is a, a, a huge, huge difference. If you compare it to what is necessary, mm-hmm. 
to the challenge if you compare it to the United States, then of course it's too little and partly it was delivered too late. So we have n not yet lived up to the, to the necessary level of engagement and responsibility. You rightly related it also to GDP, and if you, if you compare under the yardstick of GDP relation uh, and share, uh, you compare it to Poland, to the Baltic countries, then we fall behind these countries. So we should have done more because it is all about the very ultimate existential question of policy. It's about peace or war. And given that this is at stake, a billion is not much. Mm -hmm. Now, you've said that in your view, Germany should have done more and done it faster. Um, is, that, is that a persistent problem? Or is that a problem that has been addressed? In other words, from now looking ahead, how confident do you feel that, uh, that Germany's decision-making and its ability to deliver um, meaningful support in a timely fashion um, is, is now commensurate mm -hmm. with the task? Mm -hmm. Talking about Germany doesn't really grasp what is going on yeah. uh, because uh, one has to, to differentiate. Um, for example, there is a majority of people uh, demanding more. Um, in Germany? In Germany. So my view is that the majority of our voters uh, has further developed than parts of our political parties. Uh, if you talk about uh, the government, you have to say the Green Party uh, is pressing for more. Uh, even the Liberal Party is pressing for more. Uh, who is unwilling is particularly the Chancellor and the Social Democratic Party. The CDU-CSU has uh, time and again called for being faster and for being more determined in giving what is possible. So this is our principle. We should give what is possible because uh, it's, it's so important. So there is uh, uh, also a, a, a huge divergence even within the government and um, the Chancellor has delivered, but only and always late, too little and under pressure. It started with howitzers and ended with the tanks, uh, and it ended with uh, the fact that he demanded bef if Germany were to deliver Leopards too, uh, he insisted that the Americans had to deliver Abrams which was not in any way justified to make a link between European leopards in support of Ukraine with the American Abrams tanks, uh, given the fact that America uh, uh, had delivered weapons uh, in a much more higher uh, uh, money amount than Germany had done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the interesting aspects uh, you just touched on, which is that Chancellor Schultz was looking, wanted to be sure that Germany was moving in parallel and synchronized with the United States on the important decision of, of providing German-made uh, uh, tanks to Ukraine. There is an argument that that linkage was unnecessary because the United States is already making qualitatively um, uh, or qualitative uh, contributions that surpass um, uh, those, uh, that one system. Um, on the other hand, 
it seems to reflect to me a a fundamentally deeply atlanticist perspective of the german government in other words it is orienting its actions on coordination with the united states rather than first and foremost with its european partners does that seem to you to be continuity or is that a change uh, how do you look at this atlanticist yeah. uh, aspect of the government's approach i i i would really be happy if it had been like that uh, um, but I think it's a misperception mm-hmm. uh, for for at least t- two reasons. Uh, and I think this was a just a pretext and a tactical excuse for not delivering uh, this seeming uh, linkage with American deliveries. The first is there were a lot of European offers. Let's do it together. Mm-hmm. So my understanding of German policy is that we should urge the others to come together, but we were urged by other European countries, let's come together in a European initiative to deliver tanks. And there was no American voice uh, which said, don't do that, we, are, uh, we will be in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the contrary, on the contrary. Uh, but the Chancellor um, uh, ignored, simply ignored uh, the uh, European efforts for coming together and uh, uh, deliver as a, as, uh, as as European countries to to um, to Ukraine, and on the other side, the second reason is it it was uh, everybody knew that the Americans did not have objections uh, against the delivery of of Lep- German leopards to to Ukraine. On the contrary, they they were very much supportive of doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he used and he he really abused uh, the transatlantic argument uh, for not uh, uh, for not delivering for not supplying uh, uh, leopards uh, tanks to Ukraine. And and I think this is particularly unfortunate. I think the American administration had good arguments for particularly not liver- delivering. Abrams tanks, they right. are not that much useful, and the Americans had delivered so many other uh, weapons, uh, so they had a good argument. Uh, and by linking uh, the readiness of Germany to deliver to the well-founded re- objection uh, of the American administration to deliver American tanks, tanks he tried um, to avoid the supply per se. And it showed, uh, it showed the great transatlantic spirit of the American president, despite a well-founded, publicly communicated decision not mm-hmm. to deliver the Abram tanks, to change the course in order to take away the tactical excuse of the German chancellor. Mm-hmm. In his defense, though, once that decision was made, Germany delivered those uh, Leopard 2 tanks fairly quickly. Yes. After that, we have delivered... Uh, and and it subsequent out decisions that, that some of the Europeans uh, uh, took even longer to to live <laughs> up to their promises. Yes, this was part part of what then, what happened then. Um, we had fewer in the first uh, uh, um, round than we w- would wish to have. It was only it were only a fourteen, but then we, we delivered from from our army uh, an additional four tanks. So we have delivered then fairly probably and. We, we we kept our word, yes. Mm-hmm. And subsequent decisions. So the, the German government has decided to provide 
an, a previous model, the Leopard 1 uh, tank to the Ukrainians, as well as to approve the delivery by Poland of MiG-29 aircraft that had their originally come from the East German armed yep. forces. Yeah. Yeah. Those decisions have been taken fairly quickly and without any real political um, uh, opposition. Does Are those unique uh, outliers, or do you think that is the way these things are likely to proceed in the future, much more um, uh, streamlined, quicker, um, and more effective? I do hope so. And I think it also uh, reflects a a new style and a new determination uh, by the new defense minister, Boris Pistorius, who who is not an educated uh, um, uh, defense politician. He comes from the Bundesland. He served as the minister for the interior, but he is seemingly doing a good job and he has my full support uh, for everything which uh, is now going much more quicker than in the past. And uh, the the decisions you mentioned were quickly uh, uh, taken and got applause and support, uh, including uh, the German opposition in parliament. Mm -hmm. What about the sustainability of German support for Ukraine? Of course, you, you will have noticed in this country there is a public debate about the level and uh, the sustainability of American support to Ukraine. Um, The administration has been pretty adamant that uh, it will do whatever it takes. Um, uh, On the other hand, it is a fair amount of money. Um, How do you feel when you look at the situation in the German Bundestag, in the German public, and the broader European and transatlantic dynamic Mm -hmm. about the ability of Germany to sustain this? Yeah. So sustainability is the key word. It's all about sustainability. And there is no doubt that Putin has decided to go for the long haul. Uh, And he is a tactician, not a strategist. And his last tactical approach possible is going for the long uh, haul uh, to try to uh, militarily exhaust Ukraine and to try to politically exhaust the Western democracies. So he's playing that game. Um, And if we were to give up because the costs are too high and uh, it takes too too much effort and so on, we have to know what is at stake. If Putin only to to some degree were to turn out as uh, the winner of this horrible, aggressive, illegal war war and the war as a crime, it would it would determine the fate of Europe for decades, for decades to come, and we would high we would pay an, a, a super high price. So sustainability, it's all about sustainability, um, and I'm I'm worried. It, this is exactly what I'm worried about. Um, it depends on the f- future months. We are going to see the late spring, early summer offensive of the Ukrainian forces. And um, they are in a quite critical situation regarding ammunition and weapons. Uh, it's a structural problem. The ammunition for the weapons of Russian Soviet origin, of course, is produced in Russia. So by they, they are running out of this 
uh, ammunition. Yeah. So they are more and more relying and depending on, web, uh, on, on Western weapon uh, supplies, uh, including the ammunition, and our industrial production capacities, including the United States, uh, are very limited. So there is visibly, without any surprise, a problem, and we have not started, or we have, we have been very late uh, to, to, to start to increase our production capacities and haven't really done enough to increase these capacities. Uh, and so this is really what, what worries me, uh, but we have to know that the possibility of, of a political settlement of this conflict has a military prerequisite, which is that Ukraine gains the upper hand uh, on the battlefield. Understood. Um, what about the transatlantic, the German-American or the U.S.-European dimension um, of, uh, of the response? How do you, how do you feel, um, how confident do you feel, or where do you see the key issues in the transatlantic um, aspect? This horrible war um, has led to a revival of the transatlantic community of NATO, and this is only one aspect which uh, reveals and gives evidence that Putin has strategically lost this war uh, uh, on every aspect. Yes, he, he has denied uh, the very existence of Ukraine as a nation. He has created U Ukraine as a nation, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has made America come back as the European security power. He didn't want to see that. Uh, he has created two new me members of NATO. Uh, uh, so, And we are stronger now because Putin has revived the sense of our very existence. The ratio essendi of NATO and transatlantic community as a security and defense uh, uh, community uh, it has been made a new experience, not a lesson from history, but an experience uh, uh, from present time. Uh, so I think he has, again, deeply rooted our community. Uh, of course, we have to adapt. Uh, I, I said, and we are very lucky, uh, and we are grateful that America has come back as and is there acting as the European security power. At the same time, it's embarrassing for Europeans. 30 years, more than 30 years after the end of the Cold War, we are, we are far away from being able to protect our own European security. Yeah. And this situation is not going to last um, because America will not, again, play the role it has played during the Cold War. So Europeans have to live up have to do more in order to be able to be a European security partner together with the Americans. And the Americans have to know that they can't separate Russia from China. This is a part of the debate in this country, yes. uh, that, that this American engagement against Russia or for European security is a distraction from the prime challenge, which is China. And I think this is a flawed view. Uh, if Putin were to win uh, in Europe, it would be a major win also for Xi Jinping. So this is inseparable, and this has to be understood in this country by everybody. Do you have the sense from your conversations uh, thus far on this uh, visit that, that that view is shared? 
widely? It is it is shared. It is shared and challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, as you know better than me, this is, I would say, part of the debate. And Europeans are closely and uh, watching and observing that. And I think this is a ma- uh, the, perhaps the most important reason why we have to intensify our transatlantic dialogue. Uh, we have mutually to reaffirm and reassure what is necess- what what are the necessary parts, the indispensable parts uh, in our relationship, and how we see the world and the implications of the situation in Europe for the global order, and how we see China. Uh, which is also a matter, uh, including Taiwan, it's also a matter not only for the Americans, but also for for Europe. So in this, Macron, the French president, was was deeply wrong. Uh, so there is really mm-hmm. good good reason uh, uh, for, for, for dialogue among us. Yeah. Um, last uh, question um, to focus on, perhaps. Um, what are the next uh, moves or steps or... Um, conclusions you would like to see from Germany, maybe from its European partners, but particularly from Germany, um, to ensure the sustainability and the effectiveness of uh, of the support to Ukraine? Uh, is it the pr- expanding the production capacity for um, ammunition and uh, defense systems that you referred to earlier? Mm-hmm. Or are there other um, uh, things that you would like to see in short order? Um, coming from Berlin. Yeah, so in the, in the short term, really, it's it's all about the military and the military support, and Germany has to do everything, including uh, the extension of production capacities uh, to, 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 to be better in this. Uh, the second area is where I would like to see uh, short-term efforts of Germany is to, to, to better bring together east and west in, in on this matter in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a, a wasted opportunity not to have brought together Poland and France and Germany and others in a common effort uh, for massive, quick support of Ukraine. It would, have, it would have been a European momentum. This momentum has been wasted and not seized, particularly by the German Chancellor, but it's never too late because Europe has to be built as a, as an acting power in Europe, and and then we have to, to really engage with our American friends and partners, uh, about um, uh, the the evolving partnership, uh, of the two of us, the two sides of the Atlantic, on Europe, and on China. Also, the Europeans should not try to uh, sever and separate China as a challenge from from Russia and Europe. And so these three steps, quick and uh, as much as possible military efforts, including the industrial aspect, production capacity, European community building, and the transatlantic aspect. Well, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up our conversation. Uh, Norbert Rutgen, uh, thank you so much for spending time with us, um, for uh, sharing your uh, insights on the challenges ahead for Germany and the United States and its transatlantic partners. Um, and we look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you and, uh, and tracking these, uh, these issues with you um, for as long as it takes. 
Thank you. Pleasure was all mine and will be all mine. Thank you very much. All right. And to all of our listeners, uh, thanks for being with us. And we look forward to having you uh, on the next episode of The Zeitgeist. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American German Institute at Johns Hopkins University. You may know us under our old name, the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies. Send us your feedback by email at info at AICGS.org or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we have new handles at A-M-G-E-R-I-N-S-T. And also please visit our website at AmericanGerman.Institute, formerly AICGS, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Thanks.